The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in and we are ready to go with what should be an action-packed wild weekend from New York to England to Australia. We got fight cards galore and we're ready to go over all of it. As part of the preview, I am merely the somewhat capable host. He is our insider, our content partner from his Fight Freaks Unite Substack from BigFightWeekend.com. Hello, Dan Rayfield. We've been waiting for yes. the weekend that we are now upon here for all that's happening. How are you feeling? You ready to go? I'm ready to go. I mean, we've had a couple of weeks with some good fights and one week where there was no fights. But now we have a fight weekend where there is a whole bunch of fights. And I wish they would have spaced it out a little better. The weekend with zero fights, maybe have one of these events. But, you know, obviously, if you follow what's been going on, uh, the women's boxing event that we'll talk about from London with the, the two uh, uh, championship fights on that show, that was supposed to take place a month ago, but it was postponed because of the death of Queen Elizabeth. So that was put onto this date. So it gave us an extra show. And of course, we'll get into the Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius uh, pay-per-view card and also the rematch between uh, George Cambosis and the undisputed lightweight champion, Devin Haney in Australia. So we got plenty to talk about and some news of the week. Lots of get your track shoes on, folks, figuratively. Lots of ground to cover here on the preview podcast. Again, however you found us, social media link, Dan Substack, bigfightweekend.com website, whatever the case is. We're typically here preview mode by Friday morning, sometimes late Thursday evening, depending on where you are. We got a lot of fan bases uh, in different parts of the globe. So you may be getting this as we put it out early in the day on Friday, et cetera, whatever. You don't have to worry about any of that if you're following and subscribing. When we come your way in the preview mode, make sure you're doing that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us under the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. And this is taking on a life of its own. Did I see on social media somebody is putting a poll out there on whether or not people get the different ways to get notified? Somebody put that on social media, tag you, tag I me. voted, by the way. I voted. I, I voted as well. What did you vote, by the way, for how they get notified? Because I know how I voted. How did you vote? I voted for the, the vibration. You voted for the vibration? I voted for the light, the blinking light that always comes on on mine. You what about the ding? But what, do they get? The ding? what do they get? They get the ding. They get the bell. They get the vibration. They get the light. They don't need any anything. Other I'm, am I missing just, anything? They just need that. They just need that, and they know there's a new show here. Again, we come in with the recap off the weekend, but the preview always usually out by mid-morning, midday, Friday, uh, U.S. time, if not earlier, uh, for the fights. And again, a bevy of them. Um, all right, so before we get there, a couple of quick news items, some announcements that are going on. Aftermath, real quick, of the Connor Band cancellation with Chris Eubank Jr. There, It may take some time. There's still no uh, punishment yet leveled against him for the failed drug test. That may be coming. I saw the British media going back and forth. This might be two years, two years, hello, or longer. I don't know that I believe that. Eddie Hearn well, is talking about lawsuits. Dan, make something out of it real quick. Well, I mean, of course we're talking about lawsuits because, you know, that's the way people deal with things instead of just uh, coming clean and taking care of business. But here's the bottom line. UCOD, which is, and there is a history of this, if they go forward and they are apparently doing an investigation of the VADA results, which should have been a no-brainer and should have been something that they decided to do automatically uh, and accept those results, be that as it may, they're now supposedly, in, quote-unquote, investigating. Uh, and if they find that he is uh, legitimately has a positive test, there's a very good likelihood he'll have a two-year ban. I mean, ask wow. Kid Galahad what that's like. That happened to him in a similar situation. So that's not un unprecedented. And, uh, you know, 
everybody's, you know, now that the fight's off, you know, everybody wanted to complain about the due process and all that stuff, which is important in any kind of situation. But when the deadline is the fight is in three days, there is no time for due process. Now is the time for due process. Connor Ben will get his due process. He will be able to provide evidence to give his own testimony to do whatever uh, they have to do to, to, to refute what they think they can. And it's up to the, to the board and to uh, the test results to see, you know, what's really going on. Obviously you would think that he's going to have to ask for the B sample to be tested. To my knowledge, he hasn't actually officially done that yet. He's the only one that can ask for that to be tested. The board can't, Eddie Hearn can't, you know, the, the, his opponent can't, you know, Chris Eubank, it has to be a decision made by Connor Ben. And when he, when, and if he does that, he will be entitled to be present when they open the sample or send one of his representatives to open the sample to make sure there's no contamination or anything along those lines. Um, but I don't think they can really ever come up with a true uh, uh, finding unless he gets the B sample tested. That's the that's 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 an important factor. So we'll get to that. And typically, and we don't want to go for another 15 minutes on this. Typically, if you do not have the second sample tested, they're just relying on the first sample. Hundred percent. They're saying Absolutely. you are you are essentially guilty. There is no appeal B, B sample, if you will. Will and then they're going to drop the hammer on him. Uh, just one more quick comment from you. A lot of times we've seen this with Canelo Alvarez failing a test or some others failing a test in the U.S. or in North America. It's not two years. It's been like six months or maybe a year. Two years would be, I don't think it's out of line to say devastating to this part of Conor Ben's career if it's a couple of years. Absolutely. UConn has different rules than, than, uh, than uh, local commissions. You know, I think in the United States, the Nevada Commission, for example, uh, they will weigh in terms of what factors they consider, um, what your past history is, perhaps what kind of um, what kind of substance it was, you know, how dangerous they consider it, what the level of a, of a, if there's a substance with a certain level that's permissible, uh, you know, if you're over that threshold, how much over were you? How severe was the infraction? They like, take the lots Jermel, of into like the Jarrell Miller, he was on multiple substances and he got a year, right? He got more than a year because he was on multiple, like he well, his, three things, right? His is kind of convoluted because he had multiple failed tests prior to the Joshua fight gotcha. in New York. He did uh, not get a license for that fight, so he was off for a while. But then when he came back and he was supposed to have a return fight that Top Rank had agreed to put him on a show, he then failed uh, in relation to that fight and Nevada dropped the hammer on him. And he yeah. was suspended, had his license revoked. And, uh, you know, now he's on the comeback trail, but he did, you know, he didn't end up fighting for, I believe it was over 18 months. Yeah. He's had a couple of fights since then. He's actually, uh, you know, his promoter, Greg Cohen, is trying to get a fight lined up for him in Europe, uh, you know, in the, in the coming days, because he had another fight that had been called off. Uh, not his fault, but the whole card had been pulled down. So, uh, but again, Gerald Miller is, 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 is a heavyweight who's in his mid thirties. He's in a much different portion of his career than a young fighter like Conor Ben, who's in his uh, still in his early to mid twenties. Uh, that was on a big upswing. Um, some now are going to question why that upswing was occurring, and some will say it's because perhaps he was using performance-enhancing drugs. Others will take his side and say he's getting a raw deal. Now it's up to the authorities and the regulators to do their jobs and to investigate it to the fullest and find out what the real deal is. There you go. All right, we'll leave that there, and we'll find out what happens more with Connor Ben in the future. We do know, speaking of undisputed, and we will talk Haney Cambosis, the rematch, undisputed lightweight title on the line in Melbourne, Australia, uh, coming up Sunday in Australia, Saturday night, U.S. time. Uh, there is another undisputed fight that's now on the horizon in the Bantamweight division. Dan, give us more. Yeah, that was uh, not a surprise. I reported it about, uh, about a week or two ago that the, uh, the fight that was going to be between 
the three uh, belt champion in a way from Japan, one of the best pound for pound fighters in boxing, had agreed the terms and signed contracts with the WBO champion, which is Paul Butler from England. And uh, finally, uh, uh, today, and when I say today, I mean Thursday, uh, that fight was formally announced. Uh, they had a press conference in Japan that Inoue appeared at with his promotion team. Uh, Butler, uh, you know, wasn't did not travel from the UK, but his team put out some comments and some uh, his thoughts about the fight and his promoter at Probellum. And uh, so they announced the fight, and it's uh, December 13th at the Ara Iraqi Arena in Tokyo, about a 15,000-seat arena. I'm sure they'll sell that place out. And uh, it's a chance for both fighters to become the first ever uh, undisputed champion in either the three-belt or the four-belt era. And what I find to be more, uh, given my, my penchant for looking at the history of the sport, there hasn't been an undisputed champion in the Bantamweight division in 50 years. The last time was back in the two-belt era when the fighter from Panama, Enrique Pinder, unified in 1972 the WBC and the WBA titles. And uh, although there have been many great Bantamweights in the ensuing years, none of them have ever gotten to the point where they could call themselves undisputed. And uh, obviously, in a way is one of the best fighters in boxing. He's going to be the gargantuan, massive, humongous favorite. You know, if Paul Butler wins, it'll be on the level of a Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson sort of victory mm. uh, in terms of the annals of boxing. But, uh, you know, good for Paul Butler. He was in the right time at the right place. He won the fights he was supposed to win. He's cashing in. He was willing to go to Japan on the other guy's turf. He's getting his first ever seven-figure payday to do so. Uh, and in the end, uh, this is an important thing. Obviously, if, if Butler wins, it's career-making. Uh, for pulling off that kind of upset against the level of opponent of uh, Inouye, who's a probable Hall of Famer down the road. And in terms of Inouye, he's already accomplished so much. He's won titles in three weight classes. He's, you know, many people have him in the top two or three on their pound for pound list. He's a tremendous fighter. Like I said, a future Hall of Famer. But anytime you can add something to your list, to your resume, to that Hall of Fame, uh, you know, make, make it something that the Hall of Fame voters look at. And you can say, I was the undisputed champion. That's a big deal. And, uh, you know, he's got that chance to do it. He knocked out Donaire back in his last fight, uh, you know, in very impressive fashion in the second round, uh, leaving absolutely no doubt after their tremendous battle to the end, uh, all 12 rounds in the 2019 fight of the year. Uh, in a way, he's a great fighter, and this is a chance for him to just add another significant uh, element to his resume. And for Butler, it's a chance of a lifetime. And no doubt about it, he's an explosive big-time puncher, and it is fair to say he is iconic in Japan as a sports figure, not just as a fighter, but as a sports figure. It is a huge deal that he goes for the four belts coming in December. A couple of and just so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Just so the folks know, I mean, it'll be on December 13th, and those of us in the United States will be able to watch that live on ESPN+, Plus. but it'll be very, very early in the morning. And in Japan, it's streamed on Amazon Prime. There you go on that. All right, another December fight, and you've been reporting on this. Teofimo Lopez, it has a date, we believe. Give us more, and it has a different opponent than what we, we thought it might be Arnold Barboza. It's not going to be Barboza. Give us more, Dan, real quick. Well, Lopez was always ticketed for December the 10th. He's been ticketed ever since he defeated Pedro Campa in his junior welterweight debut uh, a, couple of, you know, a couple of months ago when he moved up from lightweight to junior welterweight. Uh, as long as he came out of that fight healthy and had won the fight and was clean, everything was good, which it was. He was coming back to headline December 10th. That is the date at Madison Square Garden in New York where uh, they do a boxing event. Has, to has Top Rank and ESPN have made that sort of a regular date because they like having the boxing event immediately following the network's television program that presents the Heisman Trophy. It's a very big deal. It's a great lead-in for the boxing event. They do good numbers that night. Tifimo was obviously popular, well-known, and he's got that prime slot. So he is going to headline that show. Um, Barbosa was never like the opponent. That was the opponent that was making a lot of noise. He's also with top rank undefeated was calling him out 
personally speaking, I would have liked to see him fight uh, Barbosa. I think that's a, a spicier fight. Um, but instead, it's, it's again, not a done deal yet, but the contracts are out to uh, uh, the team of uh, Jose Pedraza, who has won titles in two weight classes at lightweight, at junior lightweight. Now he is fighting at junior welter. He's coming off of the very spirited and excellent draw against Rich Col- or against Richard Comey. They never considered Comey, who also, you know, he got the draw too, but they didn't consider that as an opponent because Tiafimo had knocked Richard Comey out in two rounds to win the title all, not all that long ago. So he was never really a factor. So there was three opponents, really. It was Barbosa, who was making a lot of noise and, and chirping about it, who was ringside for the Pedro Campa fight. There was Pedraza, who uh, is a top contender in 140, who was coming off that draw. And for some reason, there also was Sander Martin in the mix from what Top Rank told me. Um, a European fighter who had the, uh, you know, has a decent record and whatever, but that just never seemed to really go anywhere. Uh, I think everybody was satisfied that uh, from what top rank told me, they would have been perfectly fine. Uh, they, they left it up to team Lopez's uh, group to decide, you know, we can either go after Pedraza who's with top rank. We can try to do Barbosa who's also with us. And in the end, it was a uh, team Lopez that decided that they wanted to fight Pedraza. Uh, David McWater, who was Tifimo's manager. I asked him, okay, I said, you know, my, in my mind, I would put nothing against Pedraza, and that's nothing wrong with that fight. But I would have rather seen him fight the undefeated Barbosa, a little more spice to the promotion with the, the trash talk between those two guys. My McWater's response to me was very simple. And uh, uh, he said in terms of the comparison, uh, P- Pedraza, uh, bigger, you know, bigger, better fight, a bigger name, better opponent. Um, and, you know, I guess I can't argue with that. Uh, he said the quote was bigger name, better fighter. So that's his opinion. And he's the manager. And. Uh, top rank had both guys in terms of Pedraza and uh, Barbosa, and they go for Pedraza. And, uh, you know, they'll draw some, you know, I think the garden people were probably more, more, not to say that they, they weren't going to make the decision, but their opinion, I think would probably have been Pedraza because he is a Puerto Rican fighter and the Puerto Rican fans in New York are very supportive of their guys. And he probably will help sell some tickets. And, and, uh, and that's part of the, 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 uh, the business side of this sport. And uh, in terms of the undercard, again, no, no matches are made, but Top Rank is looking at putting on their, their best prospects that they have. Jared Anderson, the heavyweight, undefeated. Uh, the, the silver medal winner from the Tokyo Olympics, Keyshawn Davis, the lightweight. And uh, junior middleweight, Xander Zayas, who is also a Puerto Rican, who someday is going to fill that house as a main event fighter. So uh, I don't think they're necessarily going to be in mega fights, but there's going to be some real serious star power to the point where years from now, you'll look back on that card and say Tiafimo Lopez headlined at the Garden on that night. Oh, wow. Jared Anderson was on that card. Keyshawn Davis was on that card. Xander Zeiss was also on that card. That's the way top rank does it. That's the way you do it. You build up your young guys in a big spot at a big arena on a big high profile show uh, and let them be seen also. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Well, we do here. We build up the high profile Dan Raphael. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we'll get to Wilder Hellenius, the pay-per-view and some conversation, including Plant Durrell as the co-feature fight in just a few moments. Uh, one or two more news items. We have the latest on Archer Betterbiev, who has um, uh, right now three of the light heavyweight championships. He's been injured. It looks like he's going to be back and he is going to fight Anthony Yard of England. But Dan, give us the latest. It's not coming now. It's coming early next year, right? Correct. So when he when he knocked out Joe Smith uh, in the summer, you know, that was to unify three of the belts. Anthony Yard, who was his WBO mandatory, was ringside. And as top rank and Yard's promoter, Frank Warren, were saying, uh, if Better BF is the winner, frankly, I guess even if Joe Smith was the winner, because he still would have been that mandatory, that they were going to try to do that fight this fall, meaning probably around this time, uh, maybe November time this year. 
Better uh, BF came out of the fight after that knockout of Joe Smith, uh, not with a serious injury, but he needed a little bit of a minor uh, cleanup, let's say, of his knee. And so he had a minor knee surgery, uh, you know, later in the summer. And so it's going to cause him to be out between the rehab and going for the surgery and just making sure he's, you know, got a full training camp and all that he was not going to be able to be ready for a fight at the end of this year. So now Frank Lauren has been saying that the fight is booked for January the 28th. Uh, he didn't say the, the particular location, but from what my sources tell me, it will be at the Wembley Arena, which is the um, inside arena that's like across the street from Wembley Stadium. Right. Uh, it's the place where they've had many famous fights there. Um, Marvin Hagler won the middleweight title there against mm -hmm. Alan Minter, among many other famous fights. Um, it's where they had the weigh-in for uh, Klitschko Joshua. I remember they filled that place up. I was there for that. So it's got a historic feel for it. It's a, it's a nice spot. And that's where they'll do the fight, supposedly January 28th. We'll see it here uh, on ESPN Plus in the United States. And better be right now. Look, he's 18-0 with 18 knockouts, TJ. He's the only boxing champion who has a perfect knockout record. He's a devastating puncher. He blew away Joe Smith in two rounds. And uh, Anthony Yard, who has had one world title fight in his past, which was he gave a good game effort against Kovalev a couple years ago before Kovalev lost to Canelo. Um, he got stopped by Kovalev, but it took him 11 rounds. Uh, I'm here to say it's not going to take Arthur better be of that long. <laughs> and Yard is expected to fight. I know uh, Frank Warren, his promoter, was talking about this. Yard is expected to fight next month in November against someone kind of a right. He's got a right. Yeah, they don't have the opponent yet, but he's got the so-called tune-up fight November the 19th on a card that Frank is doing in Telford, England. Uh, Anthony is not the main event. He's just going to you know probably have a eight or a ten round fight just to you know work the kinks out. I guess I'm guaranteed they're not going to put him in too tough. They're not going to blow. Uh, this type of opportunity against uh, better beef where he can get the opportunity to be the light heavyweight unified champ and make a good payday. So uh, November 19th, is important for him to get through it with no injuries. And then we move on to January 28th. All right. Speaking of moving on, let's move on to the Barclays center. And right now here on the big fight weekend preview, Deontay Wilder's return after a year, the bronze bomber back, Robert Hellenius is the opponent. You and I have been in agreement. We've talked about this several times on the podcast, as well as our bet us show, uh, the live show that comes your way on Fridays. And we've been in anticipation of this and Hellenius is no joke here. This is not an easy knockover opponent for Wilder to come back against. So the fighters, as we are taping the podcast, have met with the media for the final time on Thursday. They'll weigh in on uh, Friday. Dan, what are your thoughts as we're now on the eve of the former WBC heavyweight champs return here in a place? And he said this Thursday. He's very familiar with the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. He's fought there numerous times, big knockouts numerous times. He's back in that building again. What are your thoughts in the preview mode? Well, I mean, it's a familiar location for both of those guys. Like you said, uh, Wilder scored some of his greatest knockouts. Uh, in that building against uh, Arthur Spilka, devastation. The rematch against uh, Bermain Stavern, first round, devastation. The knockout against Dominic Brazil, first round, devastation. I mean, he's familiar with Barclays Center. Had the fantastic, you know, absolute slugfest in the first fight he had with Luis Ortiz, which he was almost stopped and came back and stopped Ortiz late in that fight. So he has history at Barclays Center. Robert Hellenius has probably the biggest win of his career at Barclays Center, which was when he stopped Adam Konaski in their first fight at Barclays Center which was literally like the last fight of serious national uh, prominence that was right before the pandemic shut everything down. There might've been a couple of other small shows, but in terms of like big, major, you know, big arena, big city, whatever, that was the last fight I covered. I was there for that fight. I didn't, you know, after coming home from that fight in March of 2020, I didn't go to another fight until like 16 months later when I traveled to Texas for Canelo Alvarez's uh, unification against Billy Joe Saunders. So uh, Hellenius has good memories of Barclays Center. 
And look, I've seen mixed reactions. Some people have been ripping the fight. That's a crappy fight. He shouldn't be a wilder. What's he doing? Wasting his time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, you have to take the longer look at the way this business and this sport works for Deontay Wilder to come off two hellacious fights with Deontay, with Tyson Fury, take knockout losses in both fights, lose his heavyweight world title, be in the fight of the year, a year ago, coming off that layoff. Helene is also coming off the same layoff because he won the rematch against Konaski also by knockout on the undercard of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder three. But the point as it relates to Wilder is a guy is entitled to come back against a reasonable opponent. They're not, they didn't go pick like a guy off the street corner in Brooklyn and say, get in the ring with this guy. They took a quality, solid heavyweight. He may not be pound for pound. He may not be champ of the world. He may not be the number one contender, but in an honest collection of rankings, let's say of the top 12 heavyweights in the world, He's at the lower echelon of that, but he's a solid guy. He's a big guy. He's got similar size to Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, he has some okay wins on his record. He's in shape. He's ready to go. Uh, they know each other well because they've sparred together plenty of times when Wilder was getting ready for other fights. So they're friendly with each other, but that won't prevent them from going after each other. So people who are ripping that fight, and I'm not carrying anybody's water. I'm not making like an extra dime because I don't criticize the fight. Now, if you want to say you don't love the fact that it's a, you know, a $75 pay-per-view. I, I get, I get it. That's a I different mean, argument though. That's a that's, different argument yeah. that is not related to the merit of the match. The yeah. merit of the match is just fine. I have zero problem. As a matter of Can fact, I, go a step I think further? it's the perfect fight for Wilder. He comes back against a real guy and Hellenius has earned the opportunity based on those wins over Hellenius. Can I, over Konoski, yes. Can I go a step further? Uh, Konoski. Yes. Can I go a step further that if you are criticizing this, you're a clown. This is a yeah. dangerous fight for Deontay Wilder. This is not somebody that he's supposed to destroy out of hand in the first or second round. Now, he may get to him, and he may destroy him in the first or second round. That's sure. the intrigue, but he's not supposed to. If you're criticizing this choice of opponent, this is a dangerous opponent. For Deontay I'm Wilder tell you to come this. back against, I'll, I'll say that. To me, Deontay Wilder going up against Robert Hellenius as the comeback fight off of that loss, the last two losses, combined with the recent victories that Hellenius has had, their familiarity with each other, the fact that they're both coming off the same amount of time out of the ring, the fact that they are both about the same size, I think it's a more intriguing and more interesting match, certainly than the crap that's running around right now about the possibility of Tyson Fury defending the heavyweight title against Derek Chisora, who, uh, you know, has already lost lopsidedly to Tyson Fury years ago, once by a knockout, once by a decision. And I'm sorry, but a split decision, life and death over Kubrat Pulev that he just had is not enough in my mind to warrant no. a heavyweight world title shot. I have nothing against Derek Chisora, nice guy, been a good fighter, been a fun fighter, but he's got 14 losses or whatever it is. And you know, he's, he barely, barely scraped out a win last time. He shouldn't be fighting for the heavyweight title. And I mean, if you want to criticize uh, a Wilder Hellenius fight, the prospect, and I know it's not a done deal yet, but it looks like that's where we're moving towards. Uh, a fight between Fury and Chisora is way worse. Love that. Uh, again, we'll pick this fight. Plug again, Bet US, and our boxing TV show is live at 1 Eastern time. We love to tease here on the preview to go find that show on YouTube. Let me, let me say US one more thing, by the way. Yep, yep, go ahead. I'm just excited that Deontay Wilder is coming yeah. back in the ring. I know he toyed with retirement, but there are fewer boxers in this sport today who bring more drama and intrigue and interest and excitement to the ring than Deontay Wilder because of that big, giant punch he has in the right hand. 42 wins, <clears throat> 41 knockouts, by the way. So... 
Yes. And I believe you and I both agree this one more than likely doesn't see like the eighth round or the ninth round, much less the 10th, 11th or 12th round. I don't know. We'll find out for sure when we make the picks here on this, but you've got big time prospects for KO or stoppage in this one with Wilder and Hellenius. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm kind of partial to him. We've interviewed him several times on this podcast. You've interviewed him uh, recently. He's an engaging guy. I'm with you. The sport is better to have him, especially the heavyweight division, to have him back. Let's see what he can do against uh, Hellenius. We rock on here on the Big Fight Weekend Preview. The co-feature fight, you interviewed Caleb Plant in advance of fight week. We played it on the podcast coming off the weekend, the former IBF super middleweight champ. He will fight the former WBC briefly super middleweight champion, Anthony Durrell, Durrell older, but again, plant coming off a loss that was almost a year ago, a thought or two on this one, mighty one as the co-feature. Let's just call it like a crossroads kind of fight. You know, he was coming off the loss to Canelo Alvarez. He gave a good effort. Uh, plant did. He got stopped in that fight uh, in a fight where he, you know, he was the big underdog, but it took, Canelo 11 rounds in a, in a fairly dominating performance, but uh, Caleb Plant showed heart, showed the will, showed he, he was in great shape. He didn't just come for the payday. He may have lost, but he tried, and that's all you can ask for. Give your best. I never quarrel if a fighter loses a fight. I quarrel if I know a fighter doesn't really show up and give his best effort, and I don't think anybody could take a look at that fight and think that Caleb Plant did not give his best effort that night. He, he, he tried his best, and he came up against a guy that at that time was considered the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So he is now coming back. He is in a elimination fight against Anthony Rell, who was a two-time WBC title holder in that weight class. He had a victory in his last fight. That was also uh, the same time frame on that, on that undercard when Canelo uh, defeated Caleb Plant. It was Anthony Durrell on that undercard getting a knockout against Marcos Hernandez, a very impressive fourth round knockout, a, you know, highlight reel kind of knockout. Uh, he, like you said, he's older. He has uh, been very inactive, generally speaking. He had two fights in 2021, but before that, uh, and, he, and he had the, the two fights in 20, 2019, but before that, it was, you know, at a long layoff. He's had, you know, some thoughts about retirement and this and that. Um, he hasn't looked the greatest other than the Hernandez fight. He had the draw against Kyron Davis, which was a fight he was a big favorite in, had the, the stoppage loss against Benavides in a fight where he lost his title. That was because of a cut. I mean, both guys need to win. If they, you know, Caleb Plant, it's, you don't want to be taking two losses in a row. Uh, you can still carry on. He's still much younger, obviously, but it would put him in a different position if he comes back and gets the win. Nobody's going to quarrel with a loss against Canelo. But Darrell, look, he, he needs this win to keep the career going is the bottom line. He has contemplated retirement. Uh, I think this might be the last stand. Uh, see what he can do. But he's a talented fighter. When he's on his game, Anthony Darrell can hang with anybody. Caleb Plant, similar situation. They don't really care for each other. They've been dogging each other in social media and in their interviews and in their in their press conferences. So I think it's a good style matchup. And I think as a co-feature, uh, it's a pretty damn good fight. I'll say this. In, in, an, in a non-pay-per-view situation, I have no doubt that this could easily be the main event on some other type of card. I don't. I mean, a lot of promoters like to say that. I'm being true. I'm being real. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they say that stuff and it's complete bullshit. You want to tell me that there's a fight card and it's Caleb Plant against Anthony Durrell on a Showtime card, for example? I could see that, you know, maybe wouldn't be the best card they ever did, but that's a, right. it's a pretty solid fight. You got two, two good guys in a, in a weight class that's, that's been in, in the, in the spotlight in the last couple of years because of Canelo. And uh, let's see what happens. I mean, obviously you got to favor Caleb plant, uh, but Anthony Durrell, if you ever watch him, you know, he'll give a good effort in my opinion. And we'll see. 
All right, before we go here, before we pause, and we're going to, I promise, talk undisputed lightweight title fight, Haney Cambosis rematch for that one in Australia. We're also going to talk the women's double header championship fight Saturday afternoon, U.S. time uh, that are still to come as well. Those fights in England. Anything else on this card before we get out of here? Just real quick that strikes you from any of the other fighters on the undercard of uh, Wilder Hellenius pay-per-view in Brooklyn. Well, the two other pay-per-view fights have have some element of intrigue, I suppose. Uh, Frank Sanchez is a heavyweight that's gotten a lot of attention. He's undefeated, a Cuban fighter, very good skills, on the rise. He's fighting Carlos Negron, who is a former Olympian. It's a fight where everybody would look at that, I think, and say, you know what, Sanchez, so much more skilled, so much younger, so much fresher, should probably toy with Negron. But Negron can punch a bit, so we'll see how that goes. But look, you've got another heavyweight that's on the rise that's certainly in that PBC universe Obviously, Al Heyman and the folks that put those shows together, Tom Brown, you know, they know what they're doing. They've got another top quality heavyweight up and comer and they're looking to get him some exposure. You'll see him, I'm sure, uh, beyond this Carlos DeGroat fight, should he win in some bigger matchups down the road. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, really can fight. Uh, maybe not the most exciting heavyweight compared to a Deontay Wilder, but very talented. And then uh, the other fight on the pay-per-view was Gary Antonio Russell, uh, a rising Bantamweight. Uh, he is the, the younger brother of Gary Russell Jr., the former featherweight title holder, and the older brother of Gary Antoine Russell, they all are Garys, uh, that's the top junior welterweight uh, up-and-comer who was an Olympian. In, in, you know, I'm glad I have you here to keep me straight on all the Gary Russells, because I well, need you. Seriously, the, keep going. The late, the late Gary Russell Sr., who passed away earlier this year, uh, did like George Foreman. He named all of his boys Gary. So you kind of have to know it's either junior and then you got to know him by their middle name. But uh, speed as it may, you know, may he rest in peace. He was a great guy, Gary Russell Sr. In any event, he raised uh, his sons can really fight. And, you know, Gary Antonio Russell in this fight, he's taken on Emmanuel Rodriguez, who was the former IBF Bantamweight champion. They fought once before and they had a terrible headbutt in like the first, I don't know, it was like the first, what, 15 seconds of the fight and the fight couldn't go on and it got stopped and it was a no, a no contest, I guess, or no decision. And so this is the, re the continuation. They're doing the rematch now that everybody's healthy and and back together. So it's just sort of like that first fight. Technically, this is a rematch, but TJ, that first fight, it was like nothing happened. So you'd have, you know, like it's not even like they had a couple of rounds and there was some stuff going on. This was like the first punch of the fight, practically, or the not punch, but the first engagement of the fight. And they banged heads, and that's all she wrote. So uh, hopefully that won't happen in this rematch and uh, we'll have a clear winner. And, you know, one would suspect that uh, Russell is the fighter on the rise against an older, maybe more faded Rodriguez. He maybe kind of got lucky by having the headbutt, if you know what I mean. And uh, maybe uh, Russell finishes the job this time. You're a big baseball guy. We're in the baseball postseason. You love your your Yankees. This is like your one major league at bat is like a little check swing roller back to the pitcher. And then you want to tell everybody that you've got an at bat in the major leagues. Okay, yes, yeah, sort of. That's the same thing as the first fight being what it was to not even go 60 seconds. That was a big seconds. disappointment, though, that when that fight ended like that. I mean, you well, never like to see that. I mean, no matter what the matchup is. And, but, will, uh, and will that cut become a problem in this fight? Did they do a good enough job whenever that fight was a year ago, whenever it was? Now, Gary's had a fight since then. I mean, he, yeah. he got a win in, in the, you know, in the, in the time between the rematch and the first fight. Because that first fight was over a year ago. That was in August of 2021. He fought at the end of last year. Okay. And now, for whatever reason, he's been off for, you know, uh, 11 months and he's doing this rematch. Now, I'm sure part of that was uh, the passing of his father and, and mourning that situation. So I can't, I can't really, you know, harp on that. But uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of Rodriguez, you know, he, he needs to win. He's, uh, you know, he's had three losses. Uh, three fights that didn't go his way. Let's say he had the two losses in a row to in a way 
and then another fight. And then he had the no contest, uh, no decision, actually, if you want to get technical, with Gary Antonio. He did have one fight since then in, like, it's a knockover fight where he just went and got a one-round knockout. So they've each had the one fight, and now they're back for the rematch. Okay, so that is the PBC Fox Sports card that is Saturday night, Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. We're anxious to see uh, what's going to happen on that entire card. Dan, stand by. We've got more on the way. We're talking undisputed lightweight title fight between Devin Haney and George Cambosis, the rematch from Australia. Women's world title def- uh, fight, uh, fights, plural, taking place in England Saturday afternoon. Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall headlining. All of that as we roll on. More with Dan coming up in a few moments. Reminder, we are sponsored in part by PPV.com. If you're looking to get pay-per-view coverage of Wilder Hellenius, do it through our friends at PPV.com. Why? Because it's the most interactive way to stream pay-per-view events, and you don't need a long-term commitment. They've got live chats going on, fan reaction videos going on, no subscription required. And if you haven't experienced PPV.com, This is the time to do it. And it could be over early. Get in on the pay-per-view and do so early. It's coming up Saturday night, Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. Deontay Wilder's return after a one-year layoff. The guy he's fighting, Robert Hellenius, off the one-year layoff. What's going to happen? Check it out with our friends at ppv.com. Sign up, subscribe away, get the pay-per-view. You will want to be part of this on Saturday night because we have a feeling it's going to end and maybe even end quickly again to watch wilder hellenius on pay-per-view go to our friends at ppv.com you don't need any other subscription from anywhere else no long-term commitment buy the pay-per-view through them wilder hellenius saturday night ppv.com we're back on big fight weekend now here's your host tj reeves we are back in one more time and ready to talk a couple more fight cards here, as I mentioned, not only uh, in North America, but in Europe and in Australia. We are spanning the globe. And no, we're not live World sports. Talking all about the fights. Uh, here is the Big Fight Weekend preview. Reminder, off the weekend, we'll have the recap podcast. That'll come your way late Sunday or Monday, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, we typically have that out, usually late Sunday night U.S. time, for you on Monday morning. I know a lot of people look forward to that, especially Dan's takes off of what happens on the weekend, whatever happens with Wilder Hellenius or Haney Cambosis or Shields Marshall slash uh, Mayor Baumgartner, the women's doubleheader. We'll recap all of it on the Fight Freaks Unite recap right here on this podcast feed. So, okay, time to get into it in Australia. They've been there. They've been revving up all week for the rematch. Uh, Just, what, four months ago, four and a half months ago that Devin Haney took the undisputed belts off George Cambosis. I guess the biggest question here in your mind as we get ready for the rematch, why would this be potentially different? If you even believe it'll be different, but hypothetically, why is this not Haney dominating the same way? What can, what will Cambosis do differently in the 135-pound undisputed rematch, Dan? Well, I think most people think that Haney will probably have a similarly, you know, easy time for lack of a better word. You know, in the first fight, he went to Australia. He was the WBC champion. George had the other belts. He won the title, uh, won the fight, took the other belts off. Cambosis became the first undisputed champion in the lightweight division since Pernell Whitaker did it in 1990 in the three belt era. And I have to think that Haney having experienced what it was like to go to Australia, 
and having won and done so relatively easily. And, you know, he knew that he had signed up to go back there if he won it because George had that right in his rematch clause that not only did he get the rematch, but that it once once again be in Australia. And in the interview that I had with Devin that people can listen to on the podcast from a, a couple of shows ago and also in the story that I wrote uh, that was somewhat based on some of the comments that he made to me in that interview, that when he went the first time to Australia, he kind of expected the worst because he didn't know what to expect. He'd never been there. But now, because he experienced it the first time, he said everything went well. Everybody was nice. It was a good experience. He obviously won the fight. Uh, no, uh, no bad things to say. That he was actually rather looking forward to going back. I had spoken to him on that interview. That was a few days before he departed to go to Australia. Now he's been there for the last couple of weeks. Another big part for Devin Haney is that, remember, when he went into that first fight, there was the very uh, unsettled situation of whether Bill Haney, his father, his manager, his trainer, would be able to be there. In fact, they had sent Yoel Judah, the, the father and trainer of his sons, including uh, Zab Judah, a longtime family friend, to be in his corner as the head trainer because Bill Haney, uh, because of his past criminal uh, background, he had been convicted on a drug charge and served some time literally like 30 years ago. And because of Australia's very strict rules in terms of visas and immigration and that sort of thing, uh, it looked like he wasn't going to be able, be able to travel to be with his son on the night of the fight. Now, behind the scenes, everybody was working very hard as, uh, associated with the event. They were able to get uh, the situation resolved, and he ultimately got the visa paperwork squared away. But he didn't arrive in Australia until literally the night before the fight. So that was a big lift for Devin. But there's no such worries this time. He's even more at ease now because everything was cool, and his father traveled, and he's there, and he's been there with him. And so that's another thing that's cleared the deck. In other words, whatever trepidation there was about going there is gone because he experienced it very well the first time, no problem. There's no uh, concern or worry or or emotional ups and downs of whether or not his dad will be there because his dad is there and has been there. And if you know Devin, he's a very hard worker. And from what he said, and I believe this based on what I've seen from him, what I know of him and what his people have said to me, you know, he didn't go and go lunatic after he became undisputed. And, and, and he didn't do an Andy Ruiz, if you will, after he defeated Joshua <laughs> for the uh, unified heavyweight belts. He didn't go on a, on a bender. He didn't go on a binge. He didn't go you know, just do nothing but buy expensive Tyson cars. Fury. Tyson Fury after beating Klitschko, for example, is another. Record. Exactly. So what he did was, as he said, we didn't really have a big celebration. I went on a vacation. I traveled a few places. He enjoyed himself for a few weeks. And then he went right back in the gym and he got back to work because he knew that the rematch was coming. It was going to be within this time frame, And he was right back to training, right back to making sure his weight was in check and doing all the things that a true professional is supposed to do. And if you know Devin Haney at all, He's a professional young man. He handles his responsibilities, whether it's preparing for the fight, uh, doing his media obligations. I've made comments that he, he as a 23-year-old kid, he really understands that that's part of the job. Um, so when it comes to doing that, I mean, I was at one of the media days before he went to Australia for the first fight. He stood there for an hour and a half and did every single one-on-one -on -one that there was to do. And, the, and his father did the same. This was at a time when they weren't sure that, that, you know, if he would be able to go or not go. The point is, everything about the young man is professional when it comes to getting ready for the fights. And uh, I have no doubt he's going to be well prepared for this fight. So you said this all started off. What's going to be different? I think he's going to maybe win the fight even easier this time, if you mm. want to know the truth. Now, in the first fight, the scores of the fight were 118 to 110, 116, 112, 116, 112. In my viewpoint, 116, 112 was a little bit generous and toward, towards uh, George Cambosis who had a couple good moments, and he definitely won a couple of rounds, but that was about it, I thought. Um, and for George, 
you got to figure he's got to try to change things up a little bit because if he does the same thing, it is going to be the exact same result. So I do expect there to be some more urgency for George Cambosis. Uh, I, I don't think that he can hang with Devin Haney just as a boxing match. I think he learned that in the first fight. So he's going to have to kind of go and go get the guy. But Devin Haney's got good defense. He, but if, you know, some people suspect the chin might be slightly shaky. We've seen him kind of shook up a little bit in a couple of fights, but he's always maintained his composure. But uh, I think that this is one of those fights where George Cambosis will give a good effort. He'll make it. Uh, you know, at least maybe more entertaining maybe than the first fight was. But in the end, let me tell you, uh, you know, it would be a big upset if, if, if Cambosis wins. Maybe not on the – maybe maybe even on – not on the same level as when he beat Tifimo Lopez because that was a fight where people literally were saying he's getting knocked out in the first round. Uh, nobody's saying that Devin Haney's knocking George Cambosis out in the first round. He doesn't have that kind of punching power in most people's view. Uh, but honestly, this is a fight where uh, nothing, nothing against George Cambosis whatsoever – a good fighter. Uh, I like him personally, um, but I just think that Devin Haney has got way much, way many more things that he has in that tool toolbox that he can utilize in a fight, uh, especially already knowing what it's going to be like in Australia. So, you know, this is Devin Haney's fight to lose, in my opinion. We'll see. You just wonder, it's an interesting situation where Haney had to agree to this to come back to Australia for the rematch. It was essentially set up that way that, hey, if Cambosis loses, he gets a rematch within this time frame, within a four to six month time frame, they would they would fight again in Australia. Uh, so he's got to go back there. And the only thing that I'm thinking while you're saying all of that is if Cambosis can somehow change the dynamic by landing the big punch, he changed the dynamic in the Lopez fight by landing the big punch. That's his hope because skill level for skill level, I'm with you. If it stays at distance, if it's, I mean, it's going to be a Haney easy Lopez, if it does. Lopez was, I mean, this is not an excuse. I'm just saying what the facts are. Lopez was compromised going into that fight because of the situation with his esophagus and, and the issues that he had. Now, George took advantage of it. I don't in any way, you know, I don't take away the victory. He did a great job. It was a great fight. He got the win he deserved. I don't believe Haney is compromised is the point. And again, I don't know if George Cambosa's beats Tifimo Lopez if Tifimo Lopez is 100% health, 100% healthy or 90% healthy the same way I'm not sure that Tifimo Lopez beats Vasily Lomachenko when he took the belt you know unified the belts right. against him if if Lomachenko was not compromised with went into the fight with a shoulder injury that he had surgery on afterwards I don't believe Devin Haney has that type of situation I guess we won't know maybe he'll say something after the fight if there was some kind of situation but I don't think there is um you know, he's going to have to do something. Like you said, if he can land a big punch and change the dynamic of the fight early on and, 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 and put some doubts in Haney's mind or hurt him more specifically, then maybe he's got a, a better chance. But at the moment, uh, I think this is a long shot victory. If he's to get it for George Cambosis there, you know, they're both making good money for this fight. Devin Haney's making the most money he ever made a $4 million payday. George Cambosis is making about $2 million. Good for them to, to get that money. Um, but for, for Haney, he, he's thinking about history. You know, that was one of the big aspects of the conversation that we had where I asked him about, like, how can you get up for this fight when you beat the guy so easily the first time? You know, you, you got to got to get your emotions. You got to get yourself revved up. You got to get get that feeling. Got to got to be up for the fight. And he said, no problem, because uh, in my mind, it's more history. If you're if you're uh, undisputed and you're the champion, it's one thing to do that. But you also want to defend it. The greats also defend. So I want to defend. And he also knows and we talked about this. He's got bigger fish to fry. George Cambosis, I'm not going to call it a tune-up fight, obviously, but he knows that if he wins this fight and Lomachenko takes care of his business when he comes back, 
October 29th in New York against Jermaine Ortiz, uh, there's a very strong likelihood that come the first fight of 2023 for these men, they will be fighting each other. And George Cambosis, uh, if he if he wins, also perhaps could get the opportunity against Lomachenko. But the main thing is if it's if it's uh, Haney versus Lomachenko, that is a really really significant, very interesting, pretty damn good interesting fight. So that's what's riding on the line. Not only Haney being able to retain the title, but setting up or at least the first hurdle because Lomachenko also has to fight to getting that big mega fight. That's yep. a huge fight. All right. Uh, Haney, by the way, 10 to one favorite. We'll predict this thing officially as you're hearing us on the bet us boxing show live Friday at one Eastern time. So let's see uh, what happens in the, uh, the rematch. We'll be talking about more on that show remaining moments again women's championship doubleheader rescheduled as dan has already laid out we'll repeat it here it was originally scheduled for september but unfortunately the death of queen elizabeth ii happened uh, just a couple of days before this championship doubleheader was to have taken place in london all of sport the country basically shut down that weekend in mourning uh, so even though three of the four participants are americans with the fight being on foreign soil the fights, plural, they weren't going to happen. So now they quickly got it rescheduled. Kudos to everybody involved, boxer promotions, top-ranked boxing, et cetera, et cetera. They got it rescheduled. Same venue uh, in the O2 Arena. They will have this thing now on Saturday. Dan, give us the lowdown because Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, intriguing. Michaela Mayer, Alicia Baumgartner, also intriguing. I realize not everybody is into women's boxing, but this might be some highly entertaining stuff in one or both of these fights. Give them more real quick in the preview mode. Oh, I totally agree with you. And just for the people that are going to look to find it, 2.30 Eastern time on ESPN Plus is the beginning of the, the stream. Uh, it's on Sky Sports in the United Kingdom. I know we've got some listeners over in the UK. Yep. In any event, like you said, you know, if you're not into women's boxing and you're looking to make an entry into it and maybe find it interesting and see if you can find a good fight to watch, this is about as big as it gets because it's not, I mean, we've had Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, for example, fantastic fight earlier yes. this year. Clearly one of the best women's fights, if not the best women's fight we've ever seen uh, a fight of the year candidate in whichever gender you want to decide. But that had one women's championship fight on it. This has two and they're both high stakes. They're not just random title fights. You have Clarissa Shields undefeated. She's been a three division champion. She's been undisputed in two divisions. She unified in the third division. She's been unified already at middleweight. She gave up one of those belts that Savannah Marshall then won. So she's looking to get that belt back that used to be hers and be undisputed twice at middleweight. She's a two-time Olympian, a gold medalist, and she had a record of 77. She's undefeated as a pro, first off. She's 12-0. and 0. As, a, as, a, as an amateur, she was 77-1. and 1. Uh, Her one loss was a highly questionable call, I might add, but when she was a teenager against Savannah Marshall. And that is what Savannah Marshall has built her notoriety on. She is also... 12-0 uh, and 0 as a professional, uh, a bigger puncher than Clarissa Shields, but Clarissa would have you believe or say that, yes, she has a lot of knockouts, but they kept bringing all the younger, all the smaller women to meet her up in a heavier weight class, so she was knocking them out. Be that as it may, Savannah Marshall definitely, definitely has some punching power. But the rivalry is there because of Savannah's victory uh, in the amateur ranks, uh, and that has been the, the sort of the, the, the fulcrum of which this promotion is built on because of the animosity and the rivalry between them. So uh, to Clarissa Shields' credit, she said, I'm going over to the fight her on her turf. And this is a fight that's been a long time coming. And that's the main event. The winner is going to be not only undisputed in the middleweight division. Some people will view the number one, uh, the winner as the number one women's boxer in the world, pound for pound. 
and a lot of bragging rights forever takes this uh, this victory home. And we should make mention, too, for all the amateur talk of Marshall having beaten Shields when Claressa fought in the Olympic tournaments the next two times, uh, when Shields fought in those tournaments and won the gold medal, Marshall didn't advance to even fight Claressa Shields in a semifinal or in a gold medal match in either tournament. She lost before she ever got to Claressa, and Claressa's quick to point that out twice. If you were that great of an amateur fighter, how did you never see me again? I heard her say that. How did you never see me again in the amateurs if you were that great of a fighter? And repeat one more time here, Claressa's saying for all the buildup of the Marshall knockouts, sus competition is part of this equation too at least oh, no doubt. that's what the shields camp is saying i mean claressa has fought i mean it's not even open for a conversation i mean i'll typically will consider other people's opinions obviously in this particular case i wouldn't consider anybody else's opinion because there's zero doubt that claressa shields has fought the far superior level of opposition as a professional than uh than uh, savannah marshall but that that said look you know i give claressa credit for going overseas to do the fight on uh savannah's turf uh, there's big stakes. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a mix of styles because Marshall is more of the aggressive, like I said, puncher type fighter. Claressa is a very smooth boxer and doesn't have, a, you know, only has two knockouts. Um, but it's, it's just, you know, it's the skill versus the, the, the power basically. And it's a very even fight on the bet us line. When we go to predict this thing and see what happens, uh, because Claressa is only a minus 125, 1 1.25 to one. And, and Savannah Marshall is plus 105 right now on the bet US line, which means basically 50, 50 fight here for the uh, undisputed middleweight championship for the women. So I don't, I don't view it that I don't view it as a 50, 50 fight, but the uh, odds makers do, but the I'm odds makers do it. That's good for them. They're trying to get the money on both sides. There Fair you enough. go. Uh, on now, the, in the, in, in the other fight. Yeah, go ahead. No, in the other fight, which is, uh, this is to unify three of the junior lightweight titles, 130 pounds. The, the Savannah Marshall and Shields fight is at 160 pounds. Uh, Michaela Mayer, 17-0 with five knockouts against Alicia Bumgarner, 12-1 with seven knockouts. They are going to unify three of the junior lightweight belts. Uh, Michaela Mayer has two of those titles. Bumgarner has another one. And Mayer basically said from the time that she started in boxing as a professional, she wanted to be undisputed champion. So, she wasn't like necessarily looking specifically for Alicia Bumgarner to fight. It was just when she won one title and then she had that great fight against uh, Maiva Amadouche and she won the second title in their unification. She was looking for the other champion. So she was calling out Terry Harper. And at the time she had the WBC title. Well, then she got upset by Bumgarner who knocked her out. And so she then changed her tune. I'll take Bumgarner. And then they were also, she was also calling out the, uh, the WBA champion, the woman from South Korea whose name escapes me at the moment. In any event, they couldn't make the fight with the, the woman from Korea. And Bumgarner and Michaela started trading all kinds of uh, mm. good trash talk on their social media and saying different things in podcasts and interviews and, and this and that. And eventually the fight was made. And let me tell you, as much smack as, as Clarissa Shields <laughs> and Savannah Marshall have talked, uh, it's gone to another level with uh, yes. Michaela Mayer, uh, which is kind of weird to me because the other two women have this long simmering rivalry from the amateur days that goes back a decade or so. Uh, Baumgartner and my and, and Michaela Mayer, their their whole interactions have only been going on for like the last several months. You've but done really this for a long time. Does it look contrived? It does not look contrived to me. I don't think they like each other. I don't think they have liked each other. And the uh, it's not very ladylike. Some of the language, some of the threats, some of the stuff. It does not. I don't, look, I don't think. I don't know. It does not. It does not look contrived. I think it looks real to me. I don't. Here's here's the way I'll put it though, TJ. 
I don't think it's contrived because I do think they're both proud athletes. They both really want to win. They know there's a lot at stake. But I don't get the sense this is not Barrera Morales blood feud territory. This is not like where they hate each other and can't be in the same room with each other. This is not that. They are just both highly competitive athletes, and the other one has what the other one wants. And so there's going to be friction. And they know bad words, and they're not allowed. To, they're not. They're not afraid to say them, and that's that. And if you know, and I don't. I don't. I can't. I don't really know Alicia Bumgarner, but I've been around Michaela a number of times mm-hmm. during the course of his career, and I know her team. Uh, you know, I have, I have a, a big time affinity for her trainer Al Mitchell, just a, one of the best boxing guys you could ever meet. Just a great, great individual. And uh, you know, I was there when Michaela Mayer had a professional debut. I've interviewed her several times, and uh, like I said, I've been ringside for many of her fights. And you know, she. She has really worked hard to get to where she is. And even though she was an Olympian and even though she got a nice contract from top rank, you know, there was a lot of people that weren't sure that she was going to make it as a pro. She didn't win a medal in the Olympics. She was not really considered like a slam dunk for success as a professional. Uh, She worked her rear end off. Uh, Al Mitchell gets a lot of that credit. Top rank gets a lot of that credit for bringing her along the right way. And obviously Michaela for putting in the work. And when, when top rank and Michaela came together and her and her team signed, Top rank was not doing any business in the women's side of the sport. They had promoted years back, Lucia Riker, and they had promoted uh, Mia St. John, but, but they really hadn't done anything in women's boxing for like, for, I don't know, 15 years, probably. They liked the way Michaela presented herself. They liked her ability. The matchmakers thought she had some talent. And when they signed her, the, the, the way that they thought like the, the, the utmost upper echelon of what they thought could happen would be a weekend like this weekend, a big major fight with a lot of public interest, a sellout type crowd at O2 arena. Uh, even if it's the undercard fight, we all know this could easily be a main event, but for various reasons, this was the way that sky sports and uh, everybody wanted to do things. And uh, she's reached the top and she's in with Bumgarner, who's a good puncher, uh, had that impressive victory against Terry Harper. Uh, like you said, they don't really care for each other. I don't think it's blood feud territory, but, there's no love loss. I think when it's over, whatever happens, I think they'll they'll hug it out like you're supposed to in this sport. Um, but I expect. Look, I'm not so sure how the fight with with Marshall and 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 uh, Clarissa is going to go because I suspect that Clarissa is going to try to just box her ears off and do what she does and move around and and just outpoint her and and uh, be very technical in the way she goes about about it. While you know you have uh, Savannah looking for one big bomb to get her out of there. In the other fight that we're talking about with, with Mayer and Bumgarner, they can both box, but they like to scrap. I mean, they both like to get in there mm-hmm. and stick their nose in and bang it out. So from a pure action point of view, I think Mayer and Bumgarner is the better fight in terms of what uh, the excitement level could be. Being honest, I mean, I like the other fight too. But if you said to me, Rayfield, you can watch that card, but you can only watch one of those two fights. You're watching Shields Marshall or you're watching Mayer Bumgarner. No offense to my, my uh, you know, the main event of this card. I'm watching Mayer and Bumgarner. Mm. I think it's a more explosive, more exciting fight. And certainly uh, they, they both have built it up like they're coming toe to toe. Bet U.S. line, by the way, for what it's worth. Michaela Mayer is a three to one favorite. Baumgartner, two and a half to one underdog. So a little wider than the main event on the odds, at least to try to entice you. We shall see. I believe we will get at least one, and we hopefully will get two action-packed fights that'll kind of like be the warm-up Saturday afternoon U.S. time. The fights again prime time in London on this month-long delayed card before we get to Wilder Hellenius pay-per-view card and then the Haney Cambosis card that is also pay-per-view in Australia. 
and on ESPN uh, so in the I gotta United figure, States. So we get that. I got to figure things out, though. I got to figure things out because I'm going to New York to Brooklyn right. for, the, for the for the Wilder fight. I'm not going up until Saturday, gotcha. so I've got to deal with. So I'm going to get to New York probably around that two thirty time when the women's card is starting. So I'm going to get a car out to you know cab or Uber or whatever, go out to Barclays Center. And, and their card starts, the undercard, the prelims, the non-TV stuff, starts about 4 o'clock. So I'm figuring my situation is going to be, I'm going to be at my, my seat in the arena at Barclays Center for those preliminary fights. I'll have my ESPN Plus on my laptop mm-hmm. watching uh, the, the women's card. I don't know exactly the timing of when the, the two main fights will start, So, I'll, I'll, but I'll get the chance to see them during the undercard portion. I'll have to pay attention to both at the same time. And then we get into a little more of a dicey situation because the Haney fight, is coming on ESPN, uh, the one fight, and all the fights are on ESPN Plus earlier, but the main event uh, is at 10.30 Eastern time. That's going to be like during probably the Caleb Plant fight. So mm. I'm probably going to have to like just have it on in the background of my of my laptop, but I'm going to be paying attention, honestly, to the to the fights in Barclays Center. And uh, I'll probably know the result of the Haney fight before I get a chance to fully digest it and watch it in its entirety. So that's kind of a bummer when they can compete like that, conflict like that. Uh, so that's my plan. I'll have to get the I'll check out the women's card earlier while I'm watching preliminaries in Barclay Center. And then I'll watch, uh, you know, the pay-per-view fights live in front of my face. And then I'll have to just sort of be checking in on the lightweight fight and have to take it in fully later on. Not the, the best way. way and, and by the way, the plan may be to have the Haney Cambosis at somewhere around 1030 Eastern time, adjust your time zone accordingly. You say this all the time. I'm saying it right here. That's going to be flexible and it may be later and they can manipulate that. Remember that for the first fight, they waited and waited well, hold on. Sunday afternoon, but the first fight they waited and waited and waited for the main event. They had like 45 minutes or something before the main event. This one is much different. First of all, everything is on ESPN plus from the, from the earlier fights, right? but in the broadcast on regular ESPN, there is no co-feature fight. They will start the broadcast and they'll go right into the main event. The you know all the buildup in the in the ring walks and all that stuff. But the first fight of the night on ESPN broadcast will be the main event. The, the the where it could get a little screwy is they're coming out of a college football game. There you go. We all know that college football games can run long. Now I actually asked the question of the folks that are doing the timing from Top Rank about it, I, and I was told they have for the people in the stands you know, in the arena and also on Australian pay-per-view, they have other fights that they will put in if necessary. A a standby fight. Right, right. And again, this is important because I asked because I wanted to be selfish because I wanted to make sure I properly set my DVR and make sure I don't screw things up. Because a lot of times when Top Rank has fights on ESPN and there's some live event before it, softball game, you know, uh, (laughs) a a golf game, uh, an auto race, I mean, you name it, uh, they'll do anything to delay the start of the boxing event. Uh, in the college football Saturday, that obviously draws big numbers. So I said, are you going to be starting this fight on ESPN two? Are you going to start on ESPN news? Sometimes they go back and forth. Is it going to be starting on ESPN? I was told unequivocally, we're starting this fight on ESPN. We will wait till the end of the college football game. And for the folks that are there in Melbourne, inside Rod Laver stadium, they will be watching other swing fights take place while they wait till whatever the conclusion of the football game is. Hopefully we won't have overtime. It'll just start at a normal time. So yes, it could start a little bit later than 1030, but it will be the first fight that they bring into the ring from what top rank tells me in terms of the schedule. Again, you know, I work college football. Uh, There is uh, very little likelihood that whatever that game is will be done quickly. They're always like three and a half hour games, et cetera, give or take. 
just be in position, as we like to say, around 1030 Eastern time for it to begin on ESPN. Haney Cambosis, adjust your time zone accordingly on that. And remember, one good thing, by the way, yeah. the one good thing that, that they did in the schedule is instead of going right from the football game on the cable guide right into the boxing match, there is a 30 minute window built in for the college football scoreboard show. So they do have that buffer, which There's if the net, game yep. goes over, they'll just they just won't have the college football scoreboard show and they'll go right into the boxing stuff. So there is that little window that they've built in. So. Again, it's not a perfect scenario. I liked it better when we had boxing on HBO or now currently on Showtime where or DAZN for that matter. When they tell you that the event is beginning at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, it begins at 10 o'clock at night. There's no screwing around. Yeah, they, and in the HBO days, we got spoiled by this. They had one fight. They would come on the air. They would build it up for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then it's underway. And then you or have a double header, fight. same thing, triple header, yeah. whatever. But you would get you know, in pretty the much. Old, in the old action. days, it was primarily just a fight. It was not usually a double header. It was usually just a fight that you would get, and you would get you would get to it quickly. I like that, but we don't live in those days anymore, do we? Uh, all right, so uh, man, a lot of action, a lot of fights. Be safe getting to Barclays Center. Uh, when you do, as they hear us on the podcast, reminder, you and I will be live on the Bet US show before you head to New York Friday, 1 Eastern time to talk about these fights from a gambling perspective and go on the record with uh, predictions from Wilder Hellenius to Australia with Haney Cambosis, the women's doubleheader, even the Caleb Plant, Anthony Durrell fight. We'll talk about all of those. Have your track shoes on as well for the Bet US TV show. I'm saying to the audience uh, when we make those predictions, I think we're good here. I think we're ready for the weekend. Are we not? I'm ready. I'm ready. I think all of us are ready as well. Uh, Dan, great job. Great stuff here with this. We thank you for listening, for finding us. Again, Wilder Hellenius is the heavyweight pay-per-view in New York. Haney Cambosis is the undisputed lightweight title fight in Australia. Shields, Marshall, Mayer, Baumgartner, women's championship doubleheader in England earlier in the day. Fight previews on BigFightWeekend.com. Read all about it. Recaps as well after we're done on BigFightWeekend.com as well as Dan Substack, Fight Freaks Unite, and Recap Podcast off the weekend. No matter what happens, we're here to recap it off the weekend as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. We look forward to that. My friend, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on the Bet US show next. Thank you, Dan. You bet. And thank you for being with us as well on the Big Fight Weekend preview. Bye.